What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. I, I almost remembered to hit the transporter queue. It was pretty pretty close for us, I'd have to say. I mean, for, for us, I mean, definitely, that was pretty good. So uh, I'm very excited. Today, we have a, a very special QE episode of Deep Space Nine to talk about. We are talking about Deep Space Nine Season 1, Episode 6, Q-less. Even though, to be fair, it was Q more, because uh, Q is always more. How's it going, Mike? It's going pretty well. So many faces, Keith. Uh, I hope your ears were burning the other night when I was watching this episode, because I was calling for you. I was reaching out for you into cyberspace, <laughs> because I knew I knew some stuff about Q, but I was confused mm -hmm. whether I had seen episodes with him, or if I just heard tale from our other shows. And mm -hmm, so I was, mm -hmm. I was talking to you. Keith, this is how sad... Our lives have become. I spend mm -hmm. so much time with you now that if I'm on the internet, even if you're not with me, I speak to you as if you're there. And I, uh, that's I think, what I that's what I was doing. Well, look, I I strive to be omnipotent, uh, much like Q. So uh, I, I I did not hear you, but but maybe I felt you. Maybe this I did. Is, this was one of those episodes, and we'll get into it when we get into it, where I felt like the writers were just like, you know what? We don't need to provide a lot of context for these various characters who clearly were supposed to know stuff about because I was left <laughs> to being like, oh, okay. They give you just enough. They're like, oh, he's a, um, he's a, he's a being. And they're like, oh, she's Picard's old girl, old flame. And that's about all you need. So go forth and enjoy. Well, I mean, to be fair, there are so few people like you out there in the world, yeah, but, but especially I don't know that at that time. You know, you might have jumped in and been like, oh, Star Trek, I'm in. I mean, yes, maybe. But like, if you, Do not, if you were at the if place you're currently poo-pooing the entire concept of our show right now. So just put no, that no, no, in your no, feather. No. I'm saying this is this is one of the this is this is one of the benefits of our show because you have such a unique oh, yeah, uh, idea go. here because nobody was watching this in real time in the 90s, not knowing Q not knowing Star Trek, because Q shows up in the pilot of The Next Generation. Oh. So if you've seen any of The Next Generation, plus he also shows up like four more times. So you have to know who Q is. And if you're watching Deep Space Nine, you probably watched Next... I mean, you almost guaranteed to have watched Next Gen. Uh, so here we are 20, 30 years later. 30 years later. Good Lord. Uh, with a very unique person in the world, and that's you. Who has uh, is watching Deep Space Nine without knowing Next Generation? So it's not all lots. I have, Keith. I should also, to, for the folks uh, who are just watching this show on the channel, I've announced it on the other channels. I am on the tail end. I hope, knock on wood, here uh, of the COVID. So if I sound a little mm -hmm. funky and, and clear my throat a bunch, I, I do apologize. I'm on the mend, but uh, you know, thanks to all those who watchers, listeners of other shows who've sent their well wishes. I do appreciate it, uh, and uh, thank you. Let's move forward. Yes, well, and and I, uh, if you were watching the other things, turns out I I officially do not have COVID uh, for for the third time because uh, I, uh, I I've tested negative, but I've still got a terrible cold, so I apologize in advance for that as yeah, well. Watch out, world! Colds are still a thing. I, it's it's my first one since since like the the end times, so it's been a, a different experience uh, for sure. But uh, I think we should. Stop talking about ourselves, which is hard for us, mm -hmm. and uh, talk about some of the people who are supporting our show. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell tell folks what they're doing to support our show? 
Well, listen, we spent a lot of time putting this together. It might not be great, but we're giving it the old college try. <laughs> if you have any discretionary income you'd like to help us offset our time and effort, you can do so very easily at patreon.com slash KNDM, spell out that and. And if you happen to do that, uh, you can. there's all kinds of different tiers. And one of the things you get is we're going to do a Q&A. We're also going to do... Uh, a watch along, which we're going to do our first one today. We're going to watch right. various episodes of, I'd say, let's not limit it. It could be anything. We're going to start with some TNG because mm-hmm. that's sort of the the. We're going to do some, we're going to do some setups where and, you uh, think and, <clears throat> Keith's going to teach the, me the things I need to know, the, the the cliff notes, if you will. Yes, well, th- there's some great setups. I, I might also even teach you how to move the 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 Patreon logo up. Good God. <laughs> Guys, never do a podcast with a graphic designer. Uh, uh, and while we're there, we have a few people who have jumped aboard already. We'd like to thank yes, our patrons, indeed. Alan Zimmerman, Jorge Navoa, Cloudlover69, and Brian Kaufman. If you'd like to join the bunch, once again, it's patreon.com slash K&M. If for any reason you are not financially able to help us out, do not sweat it. Although you do get to wa- do the watch-alongs, which are fun. You get to watch our uh, weekly show about the practice. You get to watch me watch Deep Space Nine. And then you get to watch me and Keith talk all over some episodes of television. Yes, indeed. And I'm excited today. Mike won't know what this means yet, but we're watching The Wounded today uh, from Next Generation, which is a very important episode setting up Deep Space Nine. Way back years before it even aired. They were already laying the groundwork. Very, very exciting. All right. So let us continue and talk more about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Season 1, Episode 6, Cueless, which aired on Sunday, February 7th, 1993. The top song, would you believe it, continues to be COVID, Mike. Mm, Bittersweet memories. Of course, we're hearing the fine strains of I Will Always Love You. Whitney Houston's cover of the Dolly Parton song, the top movie. Mike, are you ready? Loaded you th- Weapon One. Do you think one. Dolly Parton knew that? Oh, mm. but twenty-one years later, she would be being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which are words I said. Also twenty-nine, <laughs> but whatever. However many. Uh, that's all I have. That's an anecdote I have because I saw a news report yesterday. <laughs> Boy, that's what you really come here for. The uh, mm-hmm. the absolute uh, wait, Keith. We forgot another announcement. What's that? Are you disgusted by our faces? You may yes. be. Um, <clears throat> and should that be the case, and you'd rather listen to this nonsense on your commute to work, Keith? How can they do that? Oh, that's right. We have now dropped this show into your podcast feeds, so that if you would like to. Have all of this without all of the visual stuff that you can hear us grinding on uh, during every episode. Uh, you can find it anywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, just search for KM Watches Deep Space Nine. It's uh, it's up there. So uh, enjoy that. You need and, all this, uh, but in 192 <coughs> kilobits, you, you can yeah, get there. <laughs> there you go. So uh, anyway, I, I mentioned we're we're watching Loaded Weapon One back in uh, 1993. Um, I vaguely remember that it was one of those uh, ripoffs of whatever. Anyway, 
The New York Times headline talked about Arthur Ashe, tennis champion, dies. Um, mm. It was news back then. Uh, pioneer Arthur Ashe. And uh, this episode was directed by Paul Lynch, who has already directed here on uh, Deep Space Nine. He directed A Man Alone. And this episode has a teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf who is a writer and story editor on 73 episodes of Deep Space Nine, and has a story of Hannah Louise Shearer, who was a story editor or writer on 11 episodes of Deep Space Nine, of Next Generation. This is her only episode of Deep Space Nine. So, uh, Mike, I know all of that's really interesting, but you are really more excited for... You can do it. Trivia. Right. Yeah. Ready? But you have the music ready? No, no, no. It's, 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 it's embedded in the video. <sighs> now keep waste your time with trivial trivia. That sigh. If, if you want a little peek behind the curtain, the sigh we got from Mike <laughs> is, uh, is definitely part of our lives. So, uh, all right. So here is some trivial trivia about this episode. This Keith, before you even is... start the trivial trivia, before mm-hmm, you even mm-hmm. start, yeah. you know, one of the things I'd heard about COVID, and I've had a very mild case, I'm thankful science, science, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but the brain fog is something I'd heard about <clears throat> that I didn't quite understand. Now, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, I, I, I work out quite a bit, but over the past week, walking even down the road has really winded me out. And I was taking the garbage out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and thus I was carrying a garbage bag. And halfway to the garbage can, uh, which is probably less than a quarter of a mile away, I stopped in my tracks and totally forgot what I was doing, even with the context clue of the garbage bag. So uh, the chances of me getting any trivia correct are are low. Wait, do you ask me questions here or do I, do I just listen to you to give facts? Nope, nope, it's not a quiz, not a quiz at all. <laughs> So well, there you have it. <laughs> have we done this before? Yeah, we've we've done this actually. This is our uh, sixth episode, seventh really, seventh episode. Uh, all right, so so Mike, relax. You know, just Woo. just relax that COVID brain of yours. You do. It is not a quiz. It is just an instructional here on trivial trivia. So this episode is a sequel. Uh, not surprising via Mike's confusion about this episode. It's a sequel to two Next Generation episodes, not counting all of the Deep Space uh, or the the Q moments. It's a sequel to Captain's Holiday, where we first met Vosh and we first uh, and Picard and Vosh have their little dalliance, and to Cupid, where uh, Q takes Vosh and our heroes. From the next generation into Sherwood Forest, and we do a whole Robin Hood adventure. So, uh, if Mike hasn't seen those, I can understand why you're a little confused about this episode. But uh, that's what I'm Before here for. Before you continue, Keith, I'm going to add my own trivial trivia. Mm. That that episode with the Sherwood Forest, which was called, it was called Cupid, also made a sneak appearance in Keith's. Top 300 most wanted Playmates figure sets. <laughs> uh, I forget what number, but that was one of your. Uh, that was one of the ones you wished for. That's right, a playset of all of the Robin Hood uh, figures 
in uh you know it, it wasn't a great episode but it certainly had an interesting visual which would make for some cool action figures speaking of action figures this was going to be the last trivia but you know we're going to do it playmates toys made figures out of both q and vosh here from this episode so here we have we have reviewed them both on the show previously so check out the stuff below and you can see uh what we had to uh, what we thought about these figures but now mike will understand much better what was going on because he's seen the episode i believe keith mm -hmm. this is also the first mention of q's of uh odo's desire for a special bucket for it is also a first yes it is the first mention of odo's bucket uh, special bucket, a desire for a special bucket, it, which and is don't we all need a special bucket? We all, we all do, we all do. You know, if the episode runs long, I could use a special bucket below the, my desk here, but <laughs> it's not going to happen anyway. Uh, I look, don't, you know, I'm not sure we know what you're talking about. I'm just saying, you know, it's a lot of talking. You have to stay hydrated oh, as you're. Okay. Uh, as you're talking, yeah. and uh, sometimes we run long. It's hard to imagine us running long on an episode, but uh, it happens. It happens. So uh, two other pieces of trivial trivia while all of you unsubscribe and throw your computers <laughs> into the woods. The embryonic being container that plays a big role in this episode was also used as an Abenami meditation crystal on the Next Generation episode, Angel One. So we have a prop, reduce, reuse, recycle, here uh, from Next Generation. <laughs> and the last piece of information, which I think is interesting, is uh, Jennifer Hetrick, who plays Vosh, dated Patrick Stewart. And they were dating when she joined the show. So Interesting. Interesting. If you noticed a little bit of uh, chemistry... Back in Captain's Holiday, that's uh, because they were already having some holodeck time. Uh, so uh, there you go. Uh, which, of course, like, why wouldn't you? Did you see Patrick Stewart's short shorts in that episode? Mike, you haven't, but it's I haven't, really But Keith, I have worn cans for a very long period of time, so I know uh, what a nice ear massage can do. Uh, oh, we're going to learn about that. Uh, as well, this episode. So the guest stars, uh, obviously, John Delancey's here as Q, and uh, the aforementioned Jennifer Hetrick is playing Vash for her third and final episode in the Star Trek canon, and Tom McClyster as Kolos. So I think it is now time for us to hop into our viewing room and start talking about this episode. Deep Space Nine, Season 1, Episode 6, Kulis. So uh, let us begin our journey with, uh, of course, with a fantastic screenshot uh, that you've done here <laughs> of Julian Bashir regaling a Bajoran woman with the story of his exams. Because ladies love exam stories. And he tells the famous pre-gangliotic fiber, costing him the valedictorian story for the first, Mike, of many times. Okay, great. Because he always be horny. He always be horny, and he has a lot of feelings about that exam, which is going to be a little joke that comes up, and then it's going to matter. Um, so, listen, Deep Space Nine thus far, I thought that Ben Sisko was given master class in side-eye. Let's not forget O'Brien gives some incredible side-eye throughout this show. Colomini, 
I, I, I wrote down here, O'Brien witnesses and understandably wants to puke. And all of that subtext there in Colomini's performance, he gives phenomenal side eye in that ridiculous story. So I, um, I want to nod, uh, uh, sh- throw a nod to the writing because, you know, uh, we joke Bashir, be horny, blah, blah, blah. But what I think is a really great wrinkle in their writing with him is that not only is he always thirsty, clearly, but his game is so bad and he's always it, trying so hard and it's so bad. But the, the weird thing is that the, that Bajoran lady was like into it. She was a hundred percent in. So I, I don't know, like until he was like not valedictorian, you know, if, if you live in the future uh, and it's written by a bunch of sci-fi nerds, your game does not have to be nearly as good to be successful. Yeah, uh, but uh, that story's going to come up, Mike. So remember this moment. The, uh, the seduction is interrupted when they are called to rescue a runabout that has emergency docked and lost power. When they get inside, they find an unconscious Dax and Vosh, for some reason, who has been in the Gamma Quadrant for two years. And O'Brien recognizes her from the Enterprise. So, Mike, how confused were you here? Pretty confused. Uh, I, I mean, they made it very clear that we should know this person, and O'Brien definitely did. So my suspicion was that she was from the TNG, which was confirmed. Uh, but mm-hmm. what I loved about this is that is that Dax and the other uh, mem- and Vosh on the ship here, which clearly was in some distress, some like pretty major distress. It turns out because we find yes. out that like the energy sucks out the life support and all that stuff. They're always they're so nonchalant. Once they like once he reinserted that NES game, and right? Just, like, yeah, stuck it in. It's, yeah. it's the battery. Yeah, yeah. They uh they were like yeah no big thing we almost die but it's cool it's daily. Look, it's Starfleet. They almost die constantly. You know, they're 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 Starfleet officers. This is dangerous part of the job. But uh, it's definitely like cool. <laughs> I think the cartridge there, as the uh, emergency battery, is pretty funny. Um, but uh, it makes sense. So there's Vasha. Brian's like, hey, what's your deal? We find out she's been there. And at the end of the teaser, uh oh, Q is there. Who boy. Now, Mike, did you recognize? Because you've you've seen Q in general, haven't you? Well, we've seen Q figures. <clears throat> mm-hmm. We've discussed him from in the practice. I think he showed up once. Uh, John Delancey did. Q. If Q yeah. showed up on the practice, I would be psyched. And I think we talked a little bit about him then. And I, I, and what I said, Keith. So clearly, we either talked about it or I saw an episode because what I said and and turned out to bear fruit. I was like, isn't he like a low key type? A sort of mischievous, sort of mm-hmm. puckish, uh, r- rapscallion being. And that's, I mean, pretty precisely what it is. He is indeed a rapscallion. And at the beginning of Act One, in the infirmary, uh, Bashir hits on Vosh because he's Bashir. She knows a lot about the Gamma Quadrant and uh, seems actually kind of into the young doctor. Like, but she's, she's kind of into everybody. She's she's pretty damn flirty. Uh so uh yeah, that that was a thing that happened um uh, because Bashir, my goodness, early Bashir has one purpose in life. So Cisco and Dax discuss how discuss how Vosh got into the Gamma Quadrant. It's mysterious, but uh we learn here that she's an archaeologist, which you would know from Next Gen. Did you sort of get the idea that she's kind of Indiana Jones? Uh, yes, I did. 
I didn't use that exact okay. analogy, but but that's what I was thinking. She's like a a you know Indiana Jones like that should be in a museum, but then he still steals it and like takes it mm. out of the place. So, but she what doesn't. I, what doesn't I loved, even... I don't know if we catch it on a screenshot, is that they were like, we're gonna give her like a you know like a archaeologist bag, but we got to make it really thick rope. Oh yeah, well because you know she's she's doing a lot of swashbuckling and such. So they go into the assay office to store a bunch of artifacts she brought back from the Gamma Quadrant. They uh, look at a bunch of fancy stuff, um, as you would expect, but it ends with a glowy orb that seems important. Then, yeah, they uh, make it pretty clear it's important. <coughs> Ex- except they make the guy, the uh, what did you call him, the Ash Asher office? The, the assay the, office. The assay office. They, first of all, he looks like Otho from Beetlejuice, number mm-hmm. one. Number two... They made him sort of just like so. They made him so nonchalantly, like the first two artifacts that he was like very kind of reverent about. The third one, he's like, "Man, shiny thing. It's kind of shiny." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially, this is uh, especially if you went to old Yankee Stadium. You went to go like a Yankee game. They don't let you take your stuff in, so they had it was like the bar across the street would have all these lockers where you'd. uh, No, it's when you go to the water park, man. The water park. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same same deal. So you're, you go to you're Six Flags and it's own. like, hey, $12, and here's a three by three inch uh, mm-hmm. thing to put all of your belongings in. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's essentially what that is. So uh, after that. And then you we, get the key on the little on the little thing you put around your wrist, and then it stabs uh-huh. you every time you go on a ride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I want to go to Six Flags. I'm ready. We, remember we uh, talked about it three years ago? We have been talking about it for almost 20 years, and one of these days, we're going to do it. This summer, this summer, we're going to do it. My birthday's coming up. We're going to do it. I swear. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we find out that Vosh, she's headed out the next day. She's not going to be here very long. Got to get that ticking clock going. Uh, Cisco tracks her down and tells her the Daystrom Institute is interested in her artifacts. She confesses that she's, uh, like I said, totally Indiana Jones and sells her artifacts. And he's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I I looked into you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, guess what? Quark notices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's such a good also, screenshot. Also, wait, what's going on behind? Like, what's happening inside that room? Is there a stand-up comedy thing going on? Oh, that would be hilarious. I would love to know what Bajoran stand-up comedy is like. I mean, Cardassians walk like this, but Bajorans walk like this. That'd be be terrible. <laughs> Almost as terrible as the bit you just attempted and aborted. Hey, you know, <laughs> you don't know. It might be funny. You just have COVID brain. It's funny to Bajorans, that's for sure. That's what I'm saying. They don't have a good sense of humor. They're they're very spiritual people. So uh, back on the shuttle, O'Brien can't figure out what caused it to lose power. Its batteries are dead, and it's all mysterious. Uh. So the, you, the mystery is beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, O'Brien tells Cisco <laughs> because they, they gossip like this, that Vash was banging Captain Picard. Yeah. I thought it was, I was like, damn, they really want to draw this like Ben versus Picard uh, contrast more, but he's well, like, oh, I mean, well, good for him, basically. I, I didn't know O'Brien was such a gossip, but I mean, it, it, was, was that a need to know? Do we need to know that they were... Uh, they're, they're playing hide the tricorder, but I don't know. There it is. Uh, so, uh, O'Brien. You told me uh, that they were dating in real life. That's true. That's true. They were doing all that. That's true. I'm, 
gossip. <laughs> You're basically the O'Brien of this podcast. I, without question, like struggling with tech, being tired and annoyed, and uh, apparently and who made a gossip. Who am I? You you told me the other day. You're like you're totally. Uh, you're oh, like so and so is basically you. Oh, I I forget who. I, <laughs> I have your COVID brain. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the lights go down, and we uh, find that the power is being sucked out of the station, just like the shuttle. Uh oh. Which takes us to Act Two, where O'Brien takes Vosh to her quarters. She asks about Picard. And O'Brien continues to be suspicious. Who did I say that you were, Mike? I, I can't find it. We were talking about TNG. We were talking about Worf. Oh, you're Jordy. <clears throat> I'm Jordy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, like, uh, actually, Jordy and Bashir have a lot of similarities, right? Because they're both, like, crazy thirsty and uh, unlucky in love, except for Jordy's game is terrible, and the women he's doing it with react to him as if it's terrible. Whereas O'Brien, he's his game is terrible, and the women are like, "Ooh!" Or at least you the know why, Keith? Because he's or a that. doctor. He's a doc. That's true. That's true. Although I think engineer is like he's the ship doctor. That's important. Anyway, so uh, she asked about Picard because we're continuing to reference the next generation here, trying to get the. Uh, Trying to tie them together, get some ratings. And uh, she goes back to her quarters alone and is visited uh, by Q. And of course, they fight like exes. He wants her back and she's not interested. He tries to seduce her by taking her to various places in the universe. What did you feel here about the... So it was a little muddy for me because clearly the way he portrays his character, which is great, is very, very... um. Uh, oh my God, Larroquette. It's very John Larroquette. It's very mm. quippy, very like everything's a joke. And mm -hmm. so I, I, I couldn't quite understand. Clearly they had an arrangement, right? And he was taking her around the galaxy and the quadrants and such. Mm -hmm. But what I couldn't understand is if it was actually a romantic relationship or not. Because I hadn't seen the previous episode, I didn't know. He clearly, he's clear, he's clearly behaving that it was that way and she doesn't seem into it as much. So I, I couldn't quite tell what they're, actual relationship was until he like lays on her on the bed and i was like oh i hope it i hope there's some context to this yeah it, it actually is is interesting because it's a little bit murky um at the end of uh of, of cupid because at the end of that episode they do run off together and he said i'll take you all over the universe and you can steal artifacts and sell them because you're a terrible person uh, and there was certainly some sparks going on there. So most of the context we have about what their relationship was is from this episode. Okay. So it it does feel like they... I read this as they had some sort of a, a romantic relationship and then broke up. Yeah, I do. It does read, and once again, I don't know her relationship with Picard, but through the context of this episode and her interactions with multiple, with multiple characters... She's definitely, her relationships in general are very transactional. Oh, for sure. Uh, Mike, you remember the word horgon? I do. Yeah, that's from that episode. Oh, with, so with it's Vos an artifact, Picard. it's a Klingon artifact that, uh, be, be thirsty, be horny? Uh, everything except for the, the, the Klingon part, but, yeah. but yeah. But, but yeah, I mean. It, poor attribution. It, you, put, you put it on your desk on Ryza, or you put it in front of you, and then like, 
this this is a, a question we'll get into in other episodes. And then like the like the Risens will then just like just do it with you. And that's sort of how that works. Like it's it's very confusing. Are, are they prostitutes? Are they not? Oh, so are they it's just like, a little it's like slutty? Abercrombie like, perfume. Deal? It's like Abercrombie perfume. How, how, how does that work? It's like Axe body spray. If you just no, spray I it remember, on yourself. Yeah, I remember like I could never go into Abercrombie stores because you were supposed to be like six foot and hot. But mm-hmm. I remember that right when you walked in, there was like this Abercrombie cologne thing. And apparently like all the girls in high school, like that was, if you were wearing that, they, oh. were, they were feeling it. Well, uh, as you can probably tell, neither one of us felt anything in high school. <laughs> I, 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 I forgot my horgon, so there it is. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, where are we? <laughs> so we are reminded in this scene that Vash is totally a wanted criminal all over the universe. Um, then uh, Quark shows up with a bottle of Canar. And... Uh, he wants to auction her stolen artifacts, and she's a hundred percent into it. So, so when Quark shows up, it's a silly little sight gag where he just like disappears, Quark, um, and then she makes him makes makes him come back. Go to the next screenshot. I think I captured it. Boop. <laughs> well, I, well, that's true. He disappears, Quark, and then he disappears himself. Uh, anyway, uh, she's a hundred percent into Quark selling her. Uh, her stolen artifacts. I don't. I think you could truncate that sentence. She's a hundred percent into Quark. Uh, I I don't necessarily take it as <clears throat> as her being into Quark. She's seducing him for a better share of the profits. Uh, yes, but then we'll get to the end of the episode, which I think is a little more ambiguous. Mm, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but we learn here something something important, and something that I I don't necessarily want to know about but it's going to be a part of deep space nine lore uh mike now that you've seen this episode if you wanted to uh get a ferengi off how would you do that all right well we're this is an explicit episode right apparently so i can't wait no i can't say it's on the internet i can't do it um <laughs> let's just let's let me let me let me let me be an adult about it and just say apparently their earlobes be be uh, what's the word? Erogenous erogenous zones. Yes. 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 Uh, I was gonna yeah, say androgynous, but that's wrong. Androgynous. No, that's not. Uh, yeah. So it's just as icky as it sounds. Uh, and the benefit of sci-fi, you can show it on TV. And, uh, and they do, and they do, my, and then he makes my, like he he all but makes a cigarette reference. Do you know? Uh, do you know what it's called when you uh? Bring a Ferengi to completion through the earlobes. There's a word. There is a word. I do, I don't know if it's been established in canon yet, whether they reference it in Next Gen or not, or whether it's coming up. But the word, get ready to feel a little gross inside, is umox. Mm, so she is mox. performing umox on uh, on uh, on Quark there, which is. <sighs> It's it's uncomfortable. It, it she got him down like... from fifty fifty to fifty tw- to eighty twenty. I think no, no yeah, sixty forty. Like <clears throat> no, it's something, something better than that. No, maybe. no, she got him all the way down and off apparently. So uh, anyway, so he oh, goes away, you. and Bashir shows up hoping she'll rub his ears, and uh, he asks her to dinner, and uh, Q makes fun of him, and I, I'm on Q's side. Oh, totally. It's so he's so bad. <laughs> 
Perfect. So stupid. That's a Yo, great Q's, screenshot. He's mugging all over the place, and I was here for it. Oh my god! Yeah, John Delancey has he apparently has like carte blanche. It's just like Q. He's Loki, right? He can do whatever he wants and and be as ridiculous as he wants. And we have a lot of now. Keith, let me ask you before we go any further, because mm-hmm. I was wondering this: is there significance to the to the uniform he chooses to wear in his human form here? Ah, such a it's an excellent question, Mike. That's, I'm a scholar. This is, this I'm a is, scholar. This is some uh, some good podcasting right here. Well, he is currently wearing the Next Generation uniform because on the Next Generation he mimicked Picard's uniform, which mm. pissed Picard off because he was wearing a captain's uniform and was not a member of Starfleet and had not earned those pips. So he is still wearing that. Uh, and then uh, we're going to notice a change when he switches. So in. is he a space alien? Is he a human? What is his thing? Ah, okay. All right. We should probably explain what Q is. So Q are a race of, or species of alien that is omnipotent. They have absolute sort of power of space and time. They're immortal. They can basically create and destroy universes with the snap of a finger. They're uh, gods. They're gods, essentially, yes. And they, there are a bunch of them, um, and they are called the Q Continuum. And they, uh, it's kind of murky what their deal is, like what their purpose is. They sort of gallivant around. They're all a little, you know, all, all, they're all a little Loki-ish, although this Q, they're all named Q. This, so John we meet Delancey multiple Q, Q? We meet multiple Q. Uh, as uh, as we move forward, especially in Voyager, see that troubles um, me a little bit, Keith. Are, are are you just not into polytheism? Well, you know it's a show based sci fi works its best when there are clearly established rules, or mm-hmm. when we come up to problems because the rules are being broken. But then we use science to just kind of reconfigure the rules. When you when you bring in omnipotent species, it's sort of it exists outside of those rules and can be cumbersome. I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm saying it can become cumbersome. Well, y- yes. And I I think a uh, the Star Trek explanation here would be, which is frequently used, we just, they seem omnipotent and they seem all powerful because we don't understand their power. It doesn't mean that it is necessarily limited just because he says it's unlimited because we see multiple times that the Q continuum is able to control him, is able to punish him, is able to, um, you know, so it's it, it, it's a little murky. I mean, they, they don't really get too far into it, which sort of makes sense, but they continue the story of like, what is Q and how does Q work all the way through right now in Picard. So, um, and we know that the Delancey Q is the Lokiest of all of them. And so he's sort of a black sheep among the Q. Um, so he's, Do they uh, usually kind of stay out of these meddling in set affairs? They usually do, mainly because they consider humanoids sort of like bugs they're not but but q is this q is fascinated by them and picard so he's he's always sort of showing up because he finds them interesting uh anyway so uh moving forward uh we do a lot of blinking in and out from q as he is apt to do then he shows up at bashir's date uh dressed as a bajoran waiter and tries to tell bashir not to date vosh like the uh, the weird X, and uh, Bashir tries to stand up to him, but Q makes him sleepy. 
you are that. Or roofies them. Same difference. Well, he he cufies them. He mm-hmm. uh, he cufies them. He, he cufies them, which I thought was kind of silly. It was fun. I liked it. And you know, one of the things that Mike, you don't get, uh, Q loves a good costume. So mm-hmm. he's always wearing some other silly costume uh, just for fun. So getting giving him a chance to be a Bajoran waiter here is fun. This was a moment where I actually thought, okay, maybe he is, you know, for whatever, however trivial it may be, humans and such. I And, of course, the monologue he gives later, but he did have feelings for Vash. Oh, yes. No, no, no. I, I think that's, I think it's very clear that he does um, in his own QE kind of a way. Obviously, like, why would he be invested in any of this otherwise? Um, so, uh, Bashir goes away and O'Brien recognizes Q because of course they dealt, uh, he dealt with him back on the enterprise. But in the tv of TV ways, Q doesn't see O'Brien there. No, of course not. The omnipotent being wouldn't have noticed <laughs> O'Brien, but I, I, I think I can solve that because Q doesn't care. Yeah. None of this matters to him. Like O'Brien can recognize him or not. It doesn't make any difference. Um, so uh, he fills in Cisco and Kira, and on Vosh and Q's relationship, and uh, the lights go out. There's a techno babble power issue, and uh, O'Brien, of course, blames Q. Uh, so we have we have our sort of ticking clock. We have our escalating crisis on the station. It's but at this point, it's just a power loss. Uh, so back with uh, Vosh and Quark, they haggle over the glowy orb. Quark knows it's the good stuff somehow. Uh, Cisco it's bl- shows it's very shiny heat. It's very shiny. It's blinky. I think I saw it on Next Generation. Like it's it's a it's a used Next Generation screen used prop from the Next Generation. Like it's obviously worth something. Collectors are going to uh, pay for that. It's almost worth as much as an estate sale. In indeed, indeed. So uh, Cisco shows up to talk to Vash and ask about Q, and uh, Q answers for himself because uh, there he is. Q changes uniforms. Here we are. To, because it's uh, almost like I planned these screenshots to your narrative, but I didn't. No. So uh, we we get our we get our confrontation here, because the captains always have to be confrontational with Q and Picard. Uh, they make out. A, They're very close. Very they, close. They to might. They might with any luck. And uh, so he changes. Yes, we're we're gonna get into it. But first, I have to point out that he does, of course change into the Deep Space Nine episode or uh, uniforms so they can make the action figure out of it. Mm. A very uh, cheap, quick head swap. And of course, he's got to be in the captain's uniform. But um, Cisco wants to talk privately. Q makes everyone disappear, then does a fighting fantasy thing. Here it is, because it's Q. And uh, it's not a Q episode without silly costumes. And all of a sudden, uh, Cisco punches him out. What did you think about that? Um, I thought it was awesome. First of all, I loved this whole sequence because I was like, yeah, let's be freaking silly and goofy, which is something we haven't done on the show really yet. Uh, and I was like, yeah, they're not afraid to go there. And it's very funny. And it lets uh, Ben here do some different stuff than just a captain. I'm I'm either scowling or I'm pleasantly amused, which are the two faces <laughs> he gives me mostly. But what I think the, the sort of peek through the curtain bit here, which I think is excellent and even me as like not a huge next gen person caught, especially in an episode where we're talking about a woman who Picard used to sleep with, yada yada yada. Right. The little line where Q's like, "He punched me." And Picard never punched me, and Ben's like, "I'm not Picard. 
I thought was like a really great flag in the sand moment for the sh- for the series. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly you're. Uh, it, it's uh, it's almost like a break in the fourth wall because you're you're like very high. You're highlighting like, yeah, we brought in Q, but this is a very different situation. Um, and it's fun. I mean, it and it speaks to the difference between the the two characters because obviously Picard wouldn't ever punch him, but Cisco Cisco will lay you out. Uh, and that's going to uh, be an important And I thought that the fight choreography here wasn't as terrible as usual. Well, that's <laughs> it's very in the theme of what you know the old fistica, the gangs in New York style. So it, I, it I does, yeah, it. no, it's like I was like Leo DiCaprio was was had his had his hands up all weird like that. That's funny. Uh, a bunch of unscrupulous folks arrive on the station for the auction, and uh, Odo's watching, of course. But the lights keep going out. What do you think about all these interesting costume designs? Awesome. I thought it was awesome from the the, the boxing sequence. Awesome costumes. I thought that Vosh herself had some excellent costume swaps. Some very '90s, like hip hoppy type color, uh, hanging with Mr. Cooper type balloony. I liked Vosh's <laughs> costumes. I liked these costumes, especially like bucket head, but it was like a sash. Really cool. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's what I like about Deep Space Nine is that even just in the background, if you pay attention to the background, there's just endless varieties of cool costumes and alien effects that um, wouldn't make sense on next gen because like, wait, why is that alien there? But here it's just, it's an open, it's like an airport. So anything can walk in. It can uh, make for some fun stuff. Um, So uh, the lights keep going out. We have more power drain than the atmosphere starts disappearing because there's a bunch of hull breaches, which is uh, not good because you don't want a hull breach in a space station because, you know, vacuum of space. And we find out that a focused graviton pulse is tearing holes in the station. Uh-oh. And Cisco starts to think, hey, it might not be Q. Now, were you still thinking it's Q here or were you... Picking up what uh, Cisco's thrown down. Um, I I don't know. It seemed <clears throat> to me that Q was probably involved, but he didn't seem as antagonistic. Like I couldn't remember if he was a full on bad guy or not. But he didn't seem like like you said. He seems very. Eh, this is all. None of this really matters to me. He's very flippant, and so it didn't seem yeah. like he would be trying to kill everybody. So, well, and it, it's interesting with with Q. He started initially as much of a baddier bad guy and then becomes a much more comedic character. Um, but they do sort of complete the circle. He, he is always like a, are you super evil or are you just having fun? What is your deal? So The other thing I uh, thought was kind of cool as far as like television calculation goes is that I was sort of, I can't remember exactly where this took, this was about midway, maybe a little past. And I remember thinking to myself, it's too late to introduce a whole new plot a whole new plot device as to what's causing mm. this. So let me start mysterying. What have we already yeah. seen? What things have they highlighted already that could be the cause? And it, it's not a far jump to where we get to. <laughs> Mike starts Scooby-Dooing the Deep Space Nine. Uh, so we have a scene here where Odo and Quark spar. Of course, Odo knows about the auction. And uh, we mainly learn that Odo doesn't care much about money. And Quark tries to figure out, eh, what does Odo like? He almost gets there with a latinum-plated bucket, which doesn't make any sense character-wise, because uh, we're going to learn what the bucket represents moving forward. 
and certainly uh, Odo wanting something latinum plated. Odo, Odo doesn't care the tiniest bit about ostentatious stuff like that. So that's an interesting, like, looking back on it, no, knowing the Odo that we know through seven seasons, that was a little bit out of character, that little scene there. All I can remember, and this is a deep cut, I apologize, but for anybody who's watched Keep and I through our journey, uh, this is a deep, deep cut. But all I could think of in that moment, Keith, was that time I had to Photoshop Q. Oh, like, yes! Video effects a Q and knew nothing about Q. Mm-hmm. All I knew, or not Q, uh, Odo. Odo. I had to do Odo and his bucket, and that's all I knew. Odo in a bucket, mm-hmm. and so I, mm-hmm. I did it, and you were surprised by how uh, true to life it was with zero context. Yeah, well, well done, well done. That that's uh, yeah, it, it's somewhere buried in our videos from the Out of Practice podcast. So if if you are interested in finding out more about that random reference to Odo, uh, listen to 176 episodes of the Deep Out of Practice find podcast. Find out which episode Rene Abergenois appeared in David e. Kelly's The Practice. Find that podcast video version of us on YouTube and watch to the very end. No, we wanted to watch all 176 <laughs> episodes. All 500 hours. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't do yeah. that. I wouldn't wish no, that I upon I wouldn't anyone. do that either. I, I, I regret being there. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Vash and Q continue to spar. Va- Vash says she can take care of herself, and Q briefly tortures her. Yeah, he cocoons With her. a disease he protected her from. So uh, Michael Westmore and the makeup designers got to really play here in this scene it was yeah. uh he's it, like hey without me you're the witch from into the woods <laughs> it's the last midnight vosh <laughs> uh but it's a. Uh, I, I thought it was really cool i mean of course like q being q it's pretty hardcore torture <laughs> like i'm gonna like make you go through this and horrible then, disease yeah, what, what i find is not only that uh, first of all, it does impl- it does show like how much he actually did protect her through her j- journeys, but right. also it it is indicative of what we've come to find from the, just the general extras on Deep Space Nine. Most of them are dicks. Like, yes, one random extra comes to help her out when she becomes diseased, but the rest kind of just like look at her stare and like say bad shit to her. And I'm like, eh, yeah, there's a lot of dicks on this. Remember the episode where there was like hate crimes? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, they're just asking like, where's your mask? Yeah, we're gonna right. come here with that horrible disease. Like she clearly is unvaccinated. So uh... there's the one nice extra. <laughs> there's the one nice extra. Thank you and for then, that. Oh yeah, I don't think we get. I didn't show the dicks. No, well, well that's all right. We don't need to show the dicks on the internet. <coughs> Excuse me. So in Act Four, the station has 14 hours to live if they can't find the source of the power drain. Tick tick. And Dax figures out they can find the power drain with a small amount of toxic gas. And Q shows up and actually says the word technobabble. Ah! Uh, another great uh, break so of the So the plan fourth here, wall. Keith, is that Dax yep. ostensibly <clears throat> wants to fart into the space station and then watch where the fart goes. That's right. That's right. That's, uh, that's exactly, exactly how that works. Uh, but I loved him saying technobabble there because a peek behind the curtain, which many people know, but because uh, my uncle worked on the show, he told me about it way back when the the crew, the cast and crew and the writers would actually reference technobabble as technobabble. And so frequently the first drafts of the script would have a insert technobabble here when they needed to come up with like the techno 
technical whatever so it's it's almost like him using that word is a little nod to the people working on the show not even the fans it was it was just a little inside joke um which now everybody knows so uh q of course rapid fire insults everybody good old q because he's uh he, he, he sprays insults which is really fun and he points the finger at vosh and her auction and uh an alien shows up talk to quark and is able to say obsequious through all of that makeup uh frankly give that guy an emmy and uh we have more graviton issues they can't say and they can't technobabble solve it for seven more minutes it's getting dire the entire station is being pulled <clears throat> into the wormhole so uh the stakes are getting uh it's 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 getting pretty dire here on deep space nine uh, but yeah, it, but know, it's I, it's what's what I found interesting about the <laughs> about the stakes. At some at one point, Ben was like, "We have this much time, so at minute nineteen, we're gonna just evacuate everybody so that we don't lose anyone." So you feel right. like okay, at least it's not like imminent death. But then at this point, we're like, "Did they miss that point of no return, or is it still we just don't want to lose the station?" That, I think. I, I think had they reached that point of no return, they would have started evacuating. So the so threat, I, I, there's never is like a major threat of we're all going to die. Well, and also with Q episodes, and, and you wouldn't know this at this point, but Q always pulls people to the brink of disaster, always says, oh, it's not me, but he never really lets the disaster happen. It's all it's always some sort of a, a game. Of, he also just gave them on a platter, the answer to the mystery. He certainly did. Well, you know, because that, that's what he likes doing. He, he loves people. He loves telling the truth when people think he's lying, which is always a, a fun little adventure uh, for narcissists like myself. So uh, we watch Q's auction starting in the dark. And uh, they bid us some stuff, and Vosh tries to teach where the stuff came from, but Quark dumbs it down because nobody cares how he knows his audience but they keep Meanwhile, saying numbers and he keeps getting closer to udakalo or what's it called udami umami no that's sushi what what is it called <laughs> umox mike umox oh, umami's close yeah i think so i now you know i'm gonna i'm gonna self-censor what i was about to say there so uh you're welcome world uh more specifically you're welcome mike and jen uh, so <laughs> they, uh, back on ops, they run a sensor sweep and try to track down the problem. They narrow it down to the central core, but no further, but we all know where it is. The, uh, the follow the fart, <clears throat> follow the fart. So we see here some uh, good recycled footage from the pilot as they're trying to push the station away from the wormhole before it gets sucked in. Um, and, uh, the auction continues and they auction off Mike, a fancy shiv. So that's fun. The dagger uh, um, of Amun-Ra. You ever play that game? No. It's an old PC adventure game. The dagger of Amun-Ra. Lara, Lara. Anyway, move on. No, oh, all right. So, uh, Q interrupts and tells everyone at the auction, the station's about to explode, but he continues to say he's not causing the danger. And uh, this, of course, there's your dagger of Amun-Ra. 
there on our screenshots. You, you know, if you're if you're listening to the podcast of this, you're not getting the screenshots. So um, hop over to YouTube, give us a like and subscribe, and uh, check out all of the screenshots that Mike takes. So uh, this is where we have Dax has her Technobabble solution idea. Full power. So uh, every time they use power, it causes damage, but uh, or or going full power will cause more damage, but will help them find the source of the issue. So they uh, the as frequently happens in Star Trek, doing the inverse of what you expect is the solution. So Quark and Vosh uh, start to auction the glowy orb that seems important, and they're going to get so much money for it. Uh, very exciting. Really, you can see more of those amazing uh, mm-hmm. costume and makeup effects. Yeah, like even there. that go back one screenshot. Even that dude in the in the background. No, one more for you. Oh yeah, the yeah, dude yeah, yeah. in the far background who never, I think, is even shot in focus is really got a really cool makeup design. It's so cool. Yeah, it it looks like um, the crypt keeper from. It looks like the crypt keeper and also the guy uh, who ran the library in the next gen season one episode uh i forgot what it's called anyway uh i'm sure they're reusing stuff right and left just redress it a little bit here and there so uh oh, oh there he is focus. Yep. oh cool cool i mean that guy had to stand in there for i don't know how many hours putting like, on yeah makeup but we, for we've that. we've run out of budget so just give him human hands <laughs> that's exactly right no but look at that hand he's got six fingers six fingers that's right. So that's, uh, you know, I have seen this episode, I don't know how many times. I've never noticed the fact that the extra there has six fingers until this very minute. Cool. See, the detail work that you find here is really, really fun. So uh, we continue the auction. They find it. And of course, it's the orb that's causing everything. And it's gonna blow. They beam it off the station just in the nick of time. It glows and turns into a big alien thing. Uh, I thought I got it. And, there it is. Uh, there it is. Anyway, and, I always uh, want to get this explosion explosion, but this was a shock to me. I didn't know it was actually a live thing. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, they we basically just did the plot to uh, encounter at Farpoint again. But do which, we find out like why it needed all that energy, or it's just like we, it, it's not necessary for us to know? I think it was sucking out energy to try to escape. Okay. Uh, I think that's the idea. <clears throat> and Mike also doesn't know this, but this, I, I, we talked about it when we talked about the whole episode, but like, it, it's Encounter at Farpoint, again. Because uh, very similar plot device, very similar solution. They The thing that was, that uh, the bad guys were exploiting turned out to be a living alien that they were using for whatever, and it flies away into space, and that's the solution, and it kind of even looks like that. And Q is involved. It's an odd recapitulation of the pilot to Next Generation. Spoiler alert. Uh, But what did you... So, seeing this the first time, was that a cool solution for you? Yes. I I found the, like, let's follow the fart on the machines, and then, like, not... With all the equipment and all the technology, they couldn't just like pinpoint it for them. That we had to like literally use our Geiger counters and like walk into the uh, the the auction room and w- and then fo- they literally followed it all the way up to the thing. Like they couldn't even make any assumptions up to that point. I found that to be a little like uh, ridiculous. But the fact that it was a live thing that was sucking up the energy, and the fact that they had just sold it for like a billion 
uh, metal things. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. A billion Gold-plated metal tri- tritiums or whatever. Uh, was kind of cool. And the fact that up until the last minute, Vosh and Quark didn't give two shits uh, because they just wanted that cash, cash money. Uh, I thought that was kind of unique. I liked everything except sort of the like the seek and find, but you know, TV, TV. Yeah, well, fair enough. Although <clears throat> the, the, I will always go back to the standard defense of it's an alien object. It's never. It's from a, a different quadrant of the galaxy. Their sensors are not designed to pick up this thing, right? It's looking for a type of radiation the Geiger counter is not used to, or something like that. that eh, that's sort of my fix. Anyway, all is well, and Vosh is headed off to the Daystrom Institute. But Quark tries to talk her into stealing more stuff. Uh, and uh, she's like, I love stealing stuff. Q shows up and makes a Watergate joke, which I thought was funny. Uh, and he keeps trying to get her to hook up with him again. And she still says no. Uh, but they break up friendly, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is good. And uh, she decides, you know what? Screw the Daystrom Institute. I'm off to rob more ancient civilizations. And uh, we've, we have another uh, little Umox moment there because need to hit that again. And uh, Bashir finally wakes up having been asleep through all of that. And that is the end of that episode. Also at the so, end there, it wasn't just the Umox moment. She's like, tell me how I get to this other place you want me to go. And like, she puts his arm. I, I feel like I just got the vibe that she's digging on uh, our boy Quark. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily uh They're very impossible. similar. They've got a lot of, they've got a lot of the same interests, you know, which is basically robbing and, and, uh. What's uh, what's the word when you steal another uh, a cultural appropriation? They're into that, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> super into that. That's fun. Yeah, that's like they could do that together. It's like a couple like hobby. I mean, I don't know. Uh-huh. No, that they have some some similar interests. Uh, no, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, well, folks, you know what it's time for. It's time for Mike's quiz. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star it's so quiet. Trek vocabulary quiz. That's right. It got very quiet. I don't know why it got quiet. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've had to change the settings so many times. There it is. Ah, now you can hear it. Okay, your first vocab word to define is Q. Q isn't a person, Keith. Well, it is a person, but it's also a species. A species of omnipotent beings who are very uh who this particular one we get to meet is very low-key-ish mischievous uh likes to play with his food before he inevitably uh uh scooby-doos it at the end affirmative all right here's the next one it's not fair it's the daystrom institute the Daystrom Institute is much like the National History uh, Na- Nat- Natural History Museum in New York. It's a very well-respected institute of cultural discoveries throughout the galaxies uh, and quadrants, and one in which uh, your standing can affect uh, your research allotability. There, uh, words, words, words. She got kicked out. Be- yes. Affirmative. Yes. <laughs> You know, pretty good. Way to pick that apart from uh, from context clues. 
Which, to be fair, it mainly gets referenced a lot. It it never actually is that explained, even in it's canon. snooty snooty. <clears throat> it's a it's a snooty snooty mu- museum and uh, you know uh, research. It's thing, where they so. extract dinosaur DNA from amber molecules, <clears throat> amber space- mm-hmm. specimens. Uh <laughs> species. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, Mike, do you know you know what it is? What's time for? It's time to run along home to the. Okay, welcome to the Alamoremmys, where we hand out some fake awards, and uh, we, actually there, there are no awards. We just talk more about the episode. Yeah, but starting, we're slightly bigger. We're slightly bigger. Uh, that's right, it's when we're just slightly larger. Let us discover, are there any wormholes in the plot, Mike? Um, not really. I would say that, <clears throat> you know... I guess they were busy, but Q basically tells them exactly what's happening. He's like, hey, there's something happening downstairs in this uh, auction. And whether it's the exact reason the ship's about to blow up or just something even worse is what he says, uh, they probably should have looked into it, which would have helped them probably solve the riddle a couple minutes faster. But other than that, Keith, it seemed all right to me. Yeah. No, I I think that's – I mean, it's hard to evaluate, like, holes in the plot when you have Q involved. Right, mm-hmm. because Q can kind of much kind of do anything, and he's mysterious, so we don't always know the A to B to C's to anything. I think the um, the techno babble part of it was always a little bit weird. I, I I think I think there weren't holes in the plot, like they didn't make sense. It's just they could have I could have used a lot more explanation about how this orb, how this being was. Because we we had power drains for a while, and like using power is going to cause the trouble, and then we're being like dragged into the wormhole. It seemed like well, we had a lot of different problems um, that were kind of inconsistent and sort of all over the place. Yeah, you know, they had a perfect opportunity because there's extended sequences with Vash and Q in the very beginning of the episode where they're talking about their their uh, adventures. There's no reason they couldn't have referenced like a <clears throat> specific, even vaguely encounter with this being which maybe would have given a little context at least planted a seed and we would have thought the writing was a little less uh lazy yeah and i yeah it was i think there was a more interesting way to tell this story um and i also think that especially for somebody who hadn't watched the previous episodes on this like you'd be pretty darn lost and i understand that especially in in this show which becomes heavily serialized um that's great i'm totally on board with that like keep up folks but it's not even the same show right like, you're being asked to to know stuff from a completely different show which i think is maybe a little unfair um but uh yeah so i, I think that would be um my issues with it um you know also especially especially and i i'm, I'm fine with the passing the passing context for vosh because you get what you need to know. She was with. You don't even need to know the history with with Picard, really, for right. for her role in this episode. But they really kind of shortchange what Q is, and I feel like it's a much more interesting character with a slight bit of context. Although I guess now, 
you know what you kind of need to know going forward. Yeah, well, and and Q is not the most consistently written character. Period. Um, you know, my I I think his motivations here are pretty minor for Q. Uh, but uh, just trying to get back with your ex, like I don't know, I don't know if that feels like Q. Anyway, so <clears throat> let us move forward to our best moment from the episode. Mike, what was your favorite moment? <clears throat> As I choke and die. Um. <clears throat> I thought well if I I really enjoyed the the cheesy fight sequence because mm-hmm. I thought that it captured the sort of tone exactly what the it kind of put into context it framed the stakes of the episode that like look yes there's a ticking clock yes there's all of that but really this is sort of a it's about this it's about being silly it's about introducing this silly character that is sort of like, at least in my my viewpoint, my framing, which is just this episode right now, he's kind of a jester who's going to, or a low-key that's going to just pop in and pop out throughout the run of the series, hopefully, and look look forward to those episodes, bottle episodes. And I was, and and I thought that the flippancy of the, the, the scene and the kind of jokes about Picard, it all worked for what this episode was. However... So I wanted to give it an honorable mention. My favorite scene is actually the two scenes, the the Umox scene, mm-hmm. and then the final Umox scene. negotiation. Uh-huh. And the final scene, because I thought, so far, every time we talk to Quark, everything, he's always sort of looked as as an other. And mm. this was sort of the first time we get to see his match and it's a human, right? It's not right. even another Ferengi. So I thought it was really interesting that uh, t- that we got to see another character who was very Ferengi in their uh, the way they carried themselves, in their motivations, and yet it was just another human who was hooking up with Captain Picard, the pillar of right. morals. So I thought it was. I thought that that was really cool. I really liked the the pairing of them. Hmm, that's that's very interesting and. And I, I think you're understanding the Ferengis pretty well already this early in the in the series that she does she is kind of Ferengi, um, in her sort of lust for material wealth and lack of <laughs> morals, <laughs> so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, what was my favorite moment? I mean, this is not my favorite episode, um, and I don't think it's anybody's, but. I think I'm just gonna have to give it to to uh, John Delancey's scattershot insult fest on yeah. uh, on the uh, on, on the bridge, which I thought was just, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here for the growl for me, uh, yeah. well, when when Worf is there. But it, you know, and I I thought the reveal was interesting, although it it was less interesting being so recycled we recycled a uh, a prop from next generation we also recycled a plot so and some fx um, some fx when the ship's moving. and some and and re- well you know that i understand so uh all right so let's talk about an episode rating mike how many do, do you remember our our currency mike keith get ready to be shocked and amazed when i say Ooh. self-sealing stem bolts yes i am shocked and amazed 
Well done. Okay. So how many self-sealing stem bolts does this episode get? Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. And I think that very early on, it sort of sets up what it wants to be. Um, I actually feel like it would have been better had it had it done away with the need to add the ticking clock and to add those stakes. Just let it mm. be. I mean, I guess that they need that to sort of like tie it all together and, and end it. Like it's a jettison point for them. But I felt like that's where it excelled was all the Q stuff. Because that's what we're doing, right? Like you said. Right. Yeah, right. we're doing it. Let's do it. Which is why I enjoyed the sort of uh, Pippin uh, circus moments. Um, that was an unnecessarily deep analogy to go to, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's it's not the most, comp especially with some of the more compelling plots we've had, and we're just coming off the sort of manhunt episode. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't the strongest, but I do love some scene chewing, especially when it's earned. So I, I did dig that. I dug Vash. Uh, she's interesting to me, if not kind of shitty. Um, <laughs> uh, we got some great O'Brien moments. We got a weird Odo moment. It was all right. I mean, it was all right. Uh, we've yet to hit an episode I felt was bad, which I think is a good sign. <clears throat> yeah. But I'm going to, it's it's not great, and I've got to start uh, bell curving my my rankings. I'm going to say mm -hmm. 6.25 self-sealing stem bolts. We're out of 100, so I'm going to say it's 62. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scale it up. Scale it up. <coughs> 62. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that the... I think the enjoyment of John DeLancey always helps it but i think this might be the worst q episode in star trek lore um and uh, spoiler alert he does not return on deep space nine and i think mainly it just he doesn't feel interesting right in this universe hmm. right and it, he's fine in season <laughs> one later he would feel very jarring in in our in our universe here um i just thought it was sort of a a lazy version of a Q episode um, with a lot of the plot recycling, a lot of ties back to things that aren't a part of our heroes. Like our heroes were, weren't really part of this episode, right? What, what of our characters other than Quark did anything? They were all just sort of there to be gags and uh, for uh, Vosh and Q to rebound off of. So it really wasn't, um, it, it, it wasn't a deep space nine episode really. Mm. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that was, um, you know, I get it. You know, your, your, Q is great for the ratings. You know, people people get excited for Q episodes. It just wasn't a particularly good one. Um, Speaking of ratings, how was the show doing at this kind of juncture? <laughs> uh, it was it was doing okay, but it wasn't doing fantastic yet. I think all of the Star Trek series had slow starts. Um, both artistically and ratings wise, that is my impression. I have to go. I have to go look it up. Um, I mean, it wasn't in, in any danger of being canceled, but they were certainly looking for ways to, you know, get the show up to try to match next gen's numbers, um, which it never really did. 
uh, because Next Gen was just a giant hit. But it was certainly big enough, you know, good enough to to continue. I mean, they did all seven whole seasons. Um, so anyway, how many self sealing stem bolts? Um, I'll, I will always find this episode a curiosity because it's Q on Deep Space Nine. That's just an interesting little a curiosity thing. A curiosity. Uh, I, but I'm not like, oh man, that's a good one. So I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it 65 self cell self. Oh god, self sealing stem bolts okay well that is it next week we are doing the episode dax which is one that i uh might you even watched it yet i have not no uh i it's it's so interesting it's one that i um it kind of like captive pursuit where i kind of forget it and yet when i watch it i'm like oh wow this is really really good and i'll, I'll tease you this mike i think it might be a better episode of the practice than we've seen in quite some time. So, oh, I'm uh, in. A mystery, if you will? Yes. So we have an episode of The Practice on Deep Space Nine. Hey, Keith, before we before you throw yeah. it to the to the end, yeah. I wanted to... Uh, <coughs> I, ca- I, I came up with something this week that I wanted to, in, in part, Ooh, thank. Okay. And this is uh, more sincere than I generally am. Oh, okay. Thank your uncle for, in part, because, so, growing up, and to this day, at, with COVID, the TNG, for some reason, has been, like, a go-to, <clears throat> while I'm sick, watch show. Yeah. I was trying to figure out why that is, and I always end up napping through most of the end game. And why <laughs> is that? <clears throat> and I realized, in my adulthood, one of the things I have come to use quite often uh, as a natural sleep remedy is white noise. And Mm. often if a fan noise, if I can't find the right noise, what I'll go to on the YouTube these days, I use YouTube, is like space noise. Like I'm in a space and it's like, it's a good combination of brown noise and rumble and whatnot. And as I'm listening now to episodes with my cans, I'm recognizing that in all of these space scenes, there's an underlying layer of like, a white noise sort of ambient mm-hmm. space sound, which yep. is like so therapeutic sleep-wise and just kind of anxiety reducing that it's 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 so subtle, but it's ever present in all of these shows. And that is in no small part thanks to the sound design. And so there you have it. Yeah, well it it, it definitely is. And the 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 ship engine rumble. Right, and whether it's the the ship is in motion or it's not in motion, it's all it's ever present. And I know that, um, you know, talking to when my brother started working on Voyager, his first year, you know, while he was learning how to do it, he wasn't doing all the complex, new, interesting effects. He was doing sort of the the scut work, which is adding the the background noises. You start with the with the hum of the ship, and then you start working your way up to like. You know the beeps and boops. What you know, they're just sort of in the background going on. Not not when they're you know they're actually touching the pad. And you have to. Um, each cast member had a certain number of beeps they would do per <laughs> per move, and uh, so. But like getting those layers of ambient noise, which if you didn't have it, it wouldn't be Star Trek. And and you hear, especially if you if you put headphones on when they come in and out of commercial, the first thing you hear as it fades in is a room 
of the ship and it's it is it's it's a huge piece of the realism of the immersion of the episode so so yes i and you can find those hums on youtube you can get like an eight hour 12 hour loop of it and some people do sleep listening to that so uh next time uh next time i talk to jim or sean i will i will remind them of uh people find that useful still today 30 something years later all right well let me tell you who else uh we find useful and that is our very generous patrons who help now us out and help our show with tri- <laughs> Well, so close to a pretty flawless episode. Oh, huh? man, we were doing so well. Uh, thanks again to our patrons, Alan Zimmerman, Jorge Novoa, Cloud Lover 69, and Brian Kaufman. Uh, if they would like to join those folks, Mike, how would they do that? Easy to do, patreon.com. See, now when it's here, Keith, it's too high. Patreon.com slash K and M. Hey, if you can't join them, you can do us a solid. Give a like, give a subscribe, hit that notification bell. Even better, tell a friend. Yeah, uh, or blast us on social media. Whatever you got to do, we the more eyes, uh, the more worth it it is. We appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to continued journeys, cycles. I'm just saying words. Keith, find a way to pitch us to the end, please. <laughs> you can also now find us on Instagram at DS9 Reviews. Till then, this has been. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.